Welcome back to another podcast of Forge Ministries. You know, uh, I want to just share with you how excited I am about um, the book of Jonah. I think there's so many lessons that we can learn from the life of Jonah as it's recorded here in Scripture in the book that is named after this prophet, Jonah. Um, we have covered chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're getting ready to start chapter 3. But you'll remember that I mentioned at some point in one of the podcasts, I said, you know, I want you to get at least one takeaway from each chapter. And while I think there are many truths in this book, we're just going to kind of focus in on each chapter uh, and give a um, main takeaway for each chapter. So, if you'll remember, we're going to do a little bit of a review here. If you remember, if you were um, with me from the beginning of this book, Jonah chapter 1, um, we talked about several things. I made the case that Jonah was a real person, uh, that he was based on, I guess you could say, internal evidences from the Scripture itself. We know how Scripture is written, that this particular uh, narrative is written in such a way that um, Jonah had to be a real person. He was not, um, you know, uh, folklore or a made-up uh, fictitious person or a fake person. This story is not a parable or uh, uh, something along those lines that Jonah is a real person. And we make the case for that because, again, looking at the internal evidences of other scriptures, there's never a place where God gives someone a name uh, and it's not a real person. And we also talk about how that if Jesus was teaching in a parable, um, it's pretty clear that it's a parable because the Word of God tells us it's a parable. So whenever you see that uh, there's an exchange going on between the man of God and God, um, and they're called by name, and in this case, uh, we even talk about how Jonah's father his name is mentioned in the scripture, uh, and the reason that uh, that is laid out for us is so that we can see the difference between a real event, real things that happen to real people, um, versus something like a metaphor or uh, folklore or a fairy tale or something like that. So, um, and we also talked about how that God speaks. God spoke to Jonah. We believe that God speaks to us today through his written word. And certainly he speaks to the heart of the believer because he's the one who made you alive, uh, took you from a, a place of spiritual death and blindness and deafness. And he opened your eyes and he opened your ears and he brought you to life. And we call that regeneration. And so we know that God speaks to us very clearly through his word. And we have an example here where God is speaking. So we want to listen and say, you know, what is it that God is speaking to us even today uh, through the prophet Jonah? Uh, God had a call on Jonah's life. Um, and we talked about how that God called Jonah. God explained what the situation was and how Jonah flees from the presence of God. He wants to be literally, physically, spiritually, geographically, every other way that you can think of. He wants to be away from the presence of God. 
He doesn't want God looking at him. He wants to be away from the face of the living God. Now, all of that said, those are good points and everything, but the main point that I wanted to stress in chapter 1 was simply this. If God has called you, do not run from God's call. Very simple point. If you only get one takeaway out of chapter 1, that's what I want it to be. Do not run from God's call upon your life. Chapter 2, and a little bit of a a review here as we continue. Uh, Chapter 2, let me find it here. We go looking at my notes. Chapter 2, we have... Um, of what some people might call today in modern terms a near-death experience or an NDE, I've heard it called. You know, And some people even say that Jonah was truly dead. I want to emphasize to you that that's not specifically spelled out in Scripture. Um, my personal belief is that he was very much alive, um, and I believe that the Lord kept him alive uh, for his purposes and because he was working something out in Jonah, and it was going to be recorded in the Word of God that we might study it today, even this far in the future, so far removed in the expanse of time from the time of Jonah. Anyway, we learned that in this prayer time in chapter 2 that God, or I'm sorry, Jonah cries out to God, and we also talked about how we should respond, and even how Jonah, in the midst of this mess that he's in, that he did to himself, really and truly, we still see there's thanksgiving, there's hope, and there's praise, and that that's how we should respond also when we cry out to God. We know that God will answer. So the big takeaway from chapter 2 is um, uh, Jonah's prayer and God's answer. Or you could modify that a little bit uh, and make it personal and say that when I pray, God will answer. And dear Christian, you are a child of God. You have confidence that when you call out to God, even if you made a mistake, come back to him in repentance and he will answer you. Now we get to chapter 3. And Um, As we study chapter 3, we're going to read the whole chapter here in just a minute, but I want you to be on the lookout for something, and this will be the takeaway for chapter 3. There are three truths in chapter 3. I call it three and three. That's actually what I've called it, the big three in chapter 3. With that said, let's get into chapter 3. Again, Jonah chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest 
to the least of them. Then the word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works that they had turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. So I can already hear questions coming from my listeners. Does this mean that God can change his mind? And I thought that grace was free, and faith was free, and salvation is free, but here it says that God looked on their works. Well, those are all great questions. We're going to get to those later, I promise you. But for now, let's go back to chapter 3, verse 1. And I do want to point out, if you had taken notes, and if you were following along in a parallel outline that we talked about before, here in chapter 3, verse 1, we are back to our first theme, part B. So remember, we had 1A and 1B, and that was about the commissioning of Jonah. In other words, God calling Jonah, and then in part 1B, he would be recommissioned. Similar point, same point in two different parts. And here in chapter 3, verse 1, is the beginning of that recommissioning. Interesting. And also, while we're on the subject, I'll just go ahead and skip ahead. If you look down at uh, chapter 3, um, verse 3, um, where it says, um, So uh, Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And now uh, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. And it goes on from there. And now we have that second theme happening, which was um, Jonah among the pagans remember pagans or if you would feel more comfortable saying it this way those who worship false gods or among the gentiles remember he was uh part 2a he was with the pagan gentile sailors and now he is with the pagan gentile ninevites so um Following your parallel outline, that's where those points would fall. So let's take a look. Truth number one. Remember I said there are three truths that we find in chapter three. Truth number one. God's call or command does not change, does not change even if I was wrong, or I was disobedient, or I didn't follow. Isn't it great that we serve a God who doesn't just give up on us? Isn't it great that we serve a God who says, 
even though you made a mistake, listen, I never changed my call upon your life. I never changed the gifts that I gave you. The gifts of God, the scriptures tell us, are irrevocable. Notice that in this uh, second word, this second commissioning, if that's what you want to think of it as, that came to Jonah, um, it's the same as the first. It didn't change. The first commissioning was, hey, Jonah, I want you to go preach to Nineveh. He said no. He disobeyed. He went through everything he went through. And guess what happens? We get here in chapter 3, and the call is exactly the same. Hey, Jonah, I want you to go preach to the Ninevites. It's interesting to me that the call doesn't change because, let's just be honest, um, I don't know if you've ever worked in a supervisory position or if you've ever been in charge of a project or you've ever been doing something where there was a great amount of responsibility placed on your shoulders and you had to trust people on your team to get something done. So you give out the instructions, you give the command, as it were, and folks don't get the job done. Chances are, if you're like me, you're going to say, hey, I asked for this to get done. It didn't get done. You disobeyed me. You're fired. Or I'm going to have to find somebody else to do that job in your place. But here, look at what God does. God calls again. God says, Jonah, now you're going to obey me. You know, this is one reason uh, that, you know, getting back into the uh, previous chapter, and we've talked a little bit about how some scholars have actually put forth the notion that Jonah was actually dead. This is one reason why I personally believe he wasn't dead, but he was, in fact, alive in the belly of that great fish. Um, because I believe this call is, is a continuous thing. And if Jonah dies, then it interrupts the whole process and we start completely over again. But Jonah was alive, and that's, again, you know, that's just part of what I believe. And I believe it also based on the scriptures. It doesn't say that he actually died. Um, but this story, you know, regardless of that, this story is one which shows what can happen in a believer's life when the believer fails God. Did you know that as believers we can actually fail? In fact, when you talk to folks who are not believers, people who um, do not regularly attend church, how many times have you ever heard the story? And it'll go something like this. I used to go to church. I used to do this or that or whatever the case might be. I was very involved I was in youth ministry, I was in music, I always attended faithfully, and I got hurt, and people failed me, and they're all a bunch of hypocrites. You ever heard anything like that? I've heard things like that. I've heard people say, that's when I decided none of it was real. Well, there's two different things going on here, and I don't want to chase this rabbit trail too far. Number one, uh, when somebody has that attitude, in all honesty, and I know there's great hurts. I know there's been people who, who have been hurt uh, in religious activities. I'll put it that way. 
Um, people have people can be very mean and they can be very wrong about many things that they do, uh, claiming that they're doing it in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Holy Spirit. I fully get that. I understand. But so oftentimes people are looking for an excuse because what's really going on, regardless of the evil deeds of somebody who's trying to be, I've heard them called uh, do-gooders, um, you know, they may not um, have the right attitude or whatever the case might be. They may have mistreated you. Um, but more often than not, what's really going on there is the Holy Spirit is actually dealing with that person in spite of the mistreatment, not because of the mistreatment. And they're just looking for an excuse to get out of the environment where the Holy Spirit is actually dealing with them. And so it's a convenient excuse for them. Uh, they can say, well, I don't want to have anything to do with God because the people over there, this church building, they treated me so-and-so. They treated me this way or that way, and they were wrong, and they mistreated me. Um, and so that's one part of that. On the other hand, think about those who are in those positions who genuinely desire to serve the Lord. They have tried to serve God. And they make mistakes. They're true believers. And they are saved. And they are part of the family. But they fail God. They fail in that ministry. Maybe they say something they shouldn't have said. Or they do something to someone they should not have done. And I know this is hard to, to think about. It's hard to contemplate. Um... But you know what? They're still saved. They're still a Christian. And God still loves his people. And he still goes to the greatest of lengths. Look how far he went with Jonah. And he goes that far for you to restore you back to that place of usefulness and joy. God may wait on you for some time. At least that's the way it would appear from a human point of view. Um, but he's not going to wait forever. He will bring the hand of discipline. Or, in Jonah's case, the fish of discipline. And he will discipline you. If you're truly his. If you've truly been called. Um, and eventually, your life is going to change. You don't have any control or power over God. God's not wondering what he's going to do if you do or do not do what he has commanded. But because he is a good God who cares for you, he invites you, as I've said before, to participate in what he's already promised to do. God already knew that he was going uh, to save the Ninevites. It wasn't like, hey, Jonah, if you don't do this, I cannot save the Ninevites. No, God knew he was going to save the Ninevites. You should also note that God does not call those who are not his. Think about that. The calling of God is exclusive and it is for his people. You know, someone once said to me, and I love this, God doesn't call the gifted he gifts those whom he calls. And you know, I, I just, 
I love that. Because I tend to look at my, sometimes I feel like Moses or like any other of the great uh, men of the Bible that God has called and he's, he's used them in mighty ways. I want to make excuses. <laughs> well, God, I can't do that because of this or that. Or, uh, you know, there's so many Bible teachers that are so far and above and beyond me. And yet I'm doing this podcast because I believe that God has called me to do it. And I've had encouragement from friends and I've had encouragement from family. And I'm obeying God by doing this podcast. So you certainly can say, no, I'm not going to go where God has called me to go. You can do that. But uh, if you persist, you're going to end up like Jonah. You're going to think that you wanted to flee from his presence. And somehow you think that, you know, you'll get out of whatever the calling is. But you're going to find that ultimately (laughs) you're wrong and God is going to get his way. So, you know, consider, you know, I don't know who's going to hear this podcast. So just consider this for all the months or maybe even years that you've lived Resisting the call of God. He called you as a believer to go do something. You know the call is true. You know the call is real. And I'm just going to say this. You're you're living in rebellion. (laughs) You're living in rebellion. And God is merciful. And God has grace for you. And God will see you through. Just don't get into the belly of the fish. Before, <laughs> in other words, don't let that be what it takes to get you to say yes. Okay? If God called you, again, go back to chapter one. Don't run from God's call. So, we're going to talk in our next podcast about a burning question that comes up a little bit later in this chapter. In fact, I already talked about it just a little bit. And that question is Does God change his mind. Does God change his mind? Because it certainly looks like that's what it says here in Jonah. And you might be thinking, but wait a second now. I thought God was the same yesterday, today, and forever. And after all, James, you just said that God already knew that he was going to save the Ninevites. He already knew that. So it seems kind of contradictory here, doesn't it? Can God change his mind? And before we answer that question, I'm going to suggest to you that um, before you go into the next podcast, you look up Genesis chapter 6, verse 7. Look up 1 Samuel 15, 11. And of course, we're going to talk about it because it's in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. That's where we're going. But also look at Psalm 102. 26 and 27. Genesis 6, verse 7. 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. Psalm 102, 26 and 27. 
Until the next podcast, God bless you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope that you learned something as we continue to press on through the book of Jonah.